Hello, and welcome to Cooking Up a Queen, a beginner's guide to the flagrant and fanciful world of queer nightlife. Hosted by finalist of Camp One Kiki Season 2, Coco Dream Holiday, and the Madonna of your masturbatory fantasies, Touche Douche. Now without further ado, here are your hosts. Enjoy the show. Once again, everybody, this is Coco Gem Holiday. Oh, and this is Touche Touche. Hi. You're not going to do the Touche Touche. Of course I'm going to do it. It makes everyone really uncomfortable. It certainly did. When I was editing our last episode, I was listening to that like a hundred times. On top of the fact, like I was listening to our last episode and I was like, this is a really good podcast. Like we're like going in deep on issues and stuff. It's so side note, me and Touche, we talk during our breaks, like a lot mm-hmm. and so I have to like really edit them out because like we'll start getting a nitpicky you're talking about drama or talking about people who don't like it's it's not good yeah it gets patty it's kind of on the same page it's a whole thing I'm not gonna let that one go <laughs> I'm just gonna keep happening on the same page. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah I the funny thing is I don't ever want to necessarily be that girl who's causing too much drama mm-hmm. in the community but I will say like after BLM like the BLM protests that have been happening in downtown Portland like I have definitely checked my friends list and been like cool like yeah. I you could tell the fake wokeness like yeah. it's a thing well Portland is the testing ground for militarized presence mm-hmm. for the rest of the country I mean they have you know, National Guard troops on the ground helping with police enforcement at uh, the protests currently. And Portland is number one in uh, police violence incidents since the movement started back after George Floyd's death in, I believe it was May, right? Yes. Yeah, so we're at like 50-something. New York is at like 48. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's actually not what we're talking about this evening, but um, okay. I did want to... I did want to like kind of mention that like it's it's kind of really interesting here being in Portland because mm. we get like a firsthand look about like the things that are changing. We have high COVID cases like we're getting to see the world from like a different angle. And I know that our podcast is normally um, supposed to be listened to by like up and coming drag entertainers, but up and coming drag entertainers should know what's going on in their community. Exactly. Drag is super political. You just dressing in an alternate gender than what you present or identify as is a political statement. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to be aware of your surroundings. And this kind of actually is on topic because we're seeing the brand of racists, but we're actually talking about branding for queens today. We are talking about branding. Yeah. So we like, so this episode is going to be about the marketing of drag. And I'm going to correct what Touche said. Even because cis people can also do drag in the gender to which they were born in. Correct. Uh, (laughs) Yes, that's a good clarification. Drag is a theater of gender, so you can perform on any portion of the spectrum that you'd like. I simply have experience of transforming from a troll to a woman. Tuesday looks really cute out of drag. If um, maybe we'll post a picture of both of us out of drag when I'm feeling confident and have lost my COVID weight. Um, yeah, so the marketing of drag. I have pictures from my 18. We can do that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I have a picture when I'm at my thinnest. We'll just crop it together. Um, so, yeah, so the marketing of drag. So, uh, here's the thing though and it, like Touche said this before we started and I really appreciate this line like if you're 17 and you have merch and you just started drag four days ago no one's gonna buy your merch sweetie like they're not gonna buy your stickers they're not gonna buy your t-shirts they're not gonna buy anything except for like your mom and a couple of your high school friends like 
it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, and I mean, good on you for supporting an artist if you didn't commission your own merch and you're working through a site, but the reality is even super successful queens barely make money on merch sites. It mostly goes to the, the organization. Um, so it's not even really kind of worth your effort or energy because you're not going to really benefit from it at all, especially if you have nobody who knows who you are. Yeah, exactly. Because what happens is, um, so I sell merch on Redbubble and I have merch on the illustrious and elite dragqueenmerch.com as well. Bible girl. Bible girl. <laughs> um, gosh, that was such an easy market for her to break into mm-hmm. and I'm so mad. Um, but... <laughs> No, because they do. They sell limited products on Drag Queen merch. Um, they Somebody might have, like, a thousand different t-shirts, mm-hmm. but, um, like, the model itself is very simple on Drag Queen merch. And the thing about merch is, like, so merch comes into play, especially when, like, you're at, like, a RuPaul's Drag Con or, like, mm-hmm. Austin Drag Festival. Like, right. you'll sell, like, every time I go to a festival, I sell plenty of merch. Like, that's what they're for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as good for, like, after gigs unless you're, like, a big-name headliner. Because yeah. then you'll have a merch table, and then people mm-hmm. will, like, buy all your stuff. Yeah. Um, and usually you're not the one getting the merch together. It's your production company and your team who gets the merch together. It is. If, I mean, you might have to bring it, but they'll get it together for mm-hmm. you. And, like, and so just keep that in mind. Because, like, the bare bones of this conversation, because we're going to be talking about new entertainers, let's talk about and unpack like what merch really does for you. Uh-huh. So when I'm talking about older queens who do it at a, um, a festival, it helps them alleviate some of the costs. When you're at a drag show out of town, it'll help alleviate some of the costs. Because uh-huh. the thing is, sometimes meals are paid for, uh-huh. but oftentimes they're not. They'll pay for your hotel, your flight. Um, if the bar's nice, they'll give you some drinks. Uh-huh. But usually a, dra- a lot of drag entertainers from, like, Drag Race will, like, pay for their own drinks. Yeah. You know? And, like, um, whatever. So it'll help, like, offset the cost for that. Yeah. And that's the thing you guys have realized is merch, in order to profit off merch, you have to make more than you actually spent on it. Or else you don't even break even and it's a loss in your investment. This is where it gets to the weird business side of it, which is where I kind of have a weird niche because of my muggle job. Um, you have to be able to um, make up for the deficit that you're spending on something. If you're not going to at least break even on an investment, you shouldn't be investing in it. And that's the risk you take with merch because you never know if you're going to even sell one t-shirt or a sticker or a pop socket. Or you could sell out. So it's really about gauging where you're at in your career, how well known you are, and if people are even interested in purchasing. Yeah, I actually fully agree with that. Um, Merch is one of those things of where you have to just really understand um, just the level of talent, too. Like, if you're, like... So, like, Lucy Stuhl, for instance, has never made it on Drag Race, Uh but is well-known across the country and the world Uh um, as a really great drag entertainer. And Lucy has merch, obviously, that people buy. um, And they want to participate in their game. Britta Filter, before Drag Race, had Uh merch and, you know, had all these things... um, that made her what she is and it's just one of those things that we have to really recognize and understand that who these people are um who these people are is well known that's why people want to buy their stuff exactly and i get sometimes like when i get people to buy my merch it's usually just because like i end up knowing them or something like that and if i go to a festival like i said Mm -hmm. before so like touche said like really look at the deficit that you want to try to reach because really people only make a couple of dollars off a t-shirt sales Because you have to, some someone, usually you, uh-huh. has to pay for the materials. Yeah. 
So, like, the average t-shirt, I think, like, you know, you buy when you go to a concert or a festival or something is, like, $25. So, imagine, say, probably $15 of that is to actually pay to get the shirt made. Another $10, um, if you add it up, you're making 100 shirts. Uh, that's $1,000, if I'm doing my math correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so $1,000 is probably how much you could pay to someone to commission a good design for you on the shirt. Because your merch really has to stand out, especially if you aren't on some type of a platform where people know you without even having to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So you have to have it designed. You have to have someone make it. And then that leaves you with spending all this money where you literally can make maybe three or four dollars off of it, if that. So the quantity of the merch, you have to not only pay to have it made, but you have to buy so much of it and sell so much of it for you to even turn a dime on it. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, and what I've even seen from that is uh, so since I sell mine on Redbubble and Drag Queen merch, pretty much they do all the uh -huh. the materials and supplies and they make the shirts and they uh -huh. ship it out. Yeah. Um, and then you just get a percentage of whatever you say you want your markup to be. Uh -huh. So if it takes, let's just flat number. It takes $15 to do the artwork, to, make, to buy the t-shirt, uh -huh. print the materials or whatever like that. But you're selling your t-shirt for 20. Drag Queen merch will take a dollar off of that or whatever. Uh -huh. So you really only make like four dollars for yep. the shirt like for every shirt that you sell uh -huh. and i know immediately that you're thinking you're like oh okay well like if i sell a hundred shirts or whatever like that that's four um if i sell a hundred shirts and like i'm only really getting four dollars from that that's four hundred dollars uh -huh. that's not how it works yeah because you're not going to sell a hundred shirts no you're going to sell like you're going to sell like three or four yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reality and so when you're doing merchandise and we can talk about this after the break um you gotta know if you are gonna make it know who will actually buy what you're selling and market a product that you know people will want yeah so like one thing i was told when i was talking to the people who do uh who is the group that got into a lot of hot water recently for scamming queens? neverland yeah neverland yeah. neverland um actually i talked to them actually and they said drag queen fans don't actually sell because I wanted to buy a drag queen fan or yep. actually have make a fan of myself. Mm -hmm. And they said they don't sell. They're like, the only people who buy fans are drag queens. Like, yep. fans don't want a fan. Yeah. Like, they they want t-shirts, they want coffee mugs, and they want stickers. Like, mm -hmm. stickers are such a hot button topic. Yep. Like, stickers are the things that you want. And buttons. And the thing, mm -hmm. and enamel pins. Mm -hmm. Which is so stupid. I I think that's a bleed over from Disney culture. I don't want... Oh, that might make sense. Yeah, because a lot of people trade. Because I'm um, SoCal girl here, uh, you know... <laughs> Never actually paid to get into Disneyland, but I've been there 17 times. Mm -hmm. So take from that as you will. Mm -hmm. There's a big culture in pin, enamel pin trading because they're small and um, they're sometimes very rare. So if you have a limited edition pin set that you sell at one event, people are going to fight over that. And so mm -hmm. that's really a way to like niche your market. And we can mm -hmm. get into more to that after the break. Um, and we'll tell you kind of really what to look for and where you're going. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take our first break. <laughs> break. Gosh, every time like i have to like edit in these things with these well no i don't break <laughs> have you really been missing drag shows you know where you go to a bar and you tip a bunch of people who are dancing around you know to other people's music for four and a half minutes oh no you probably didn't miss that because you were one of the people who never went in the first place have you always wanted to go to a drag show but were a little bit too uncomfortable to be out in that social scene or maybe you're actually one of those people who decided to stop drinking, but being in a bar for you is just not your tea anymore. Maybe, just maybe, you have kids and you can't actually make it to a drag show because you have kids at home. Introvert is the show for you. 
It's an online drag show built just for you. You can buy tickets at www.thecdsdrag.com forward slash introvert. It's an all-inclusive show. Plus, it's also PG-13, so if you do have little ones at home, maybe they could even stay around and watch a few of the first numbers. We always make sure to start with the easy on the eyes numbers and then escalate it to that PG-13 level. Get your tickets today. It's $5, and all the money goes to each of the entertainers, especially those ones affected by COVID. We'll see you in the show. And we're back. No, uh, none of that. Fine. Yeah, I'm pussy, bitch. We're back. What's that kid from Germany who just walks around in the white pants to people? And, like, he's got his two, like, straight friends with him. He's like, oh, my God. Just screams. You know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. You need to be on the internet more, Coco. I am on the internet a lot. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's really funny. You'll have to find it. He's on TikTok. All I remember is, like, so this just made me think of this. I don't know why. Uh But, like, there was that couple, that gay couple that always took pictures in front of famous monuments with their, like, Mm -hmm. you know, with their butt showing. Yeah. Um, or whatever, and then they got somebody in some country, like, arrested them because they thought that was incredibly disrespectful for what uh-huh. they were doing in front of. Um, yeah, and that's actually really interesting. Thoughts beware. Your ass is not wanted everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you can go to Brazil, but Brazil may not want you. <laughs> oh my goodness. So back on topic. <laughs> Sorry, we do, we do these tangents. This is what happens when we're... Oh, we're actually in the same room again. We've only done yeah, this twice. It's um, really weird. There's, like, an energy... There's, I know. We I can't get... just turn the computer off. I feel like there's no boundaries. <laughs> there's no... We're going to end up saying that crap we normally say on our breaks, but actually on the actual podcast, mm. which we should do. Um, so, yeah, back to marketing. Fuck racist bar owners. Sorry. Fuck racist bar owners. <laughs> we can keep that in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking about um, marketing yourself. We talked about merch a lot. Um, but we want to talk about, like, places that you can really, like, market yourself and, like, get your name out there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a there's a, a plethora of free resources when in reality you're just selling all of your personal information, but you don't have to pay any money for it. So from that point of view, it's free. Um, social media is a really big aspect of modern dragdom. Uh, just because it's where a lot of people do find stardom and fame, even if they aren't necessarily on one of these reality shows or they aren't blown up, you know, because of the people they know or they're just extremely talented. Well, let me ask you, you don't have any merch yet. Um, well, t- since new people listen to this, yeah. why don't you have any merch yet? I, I, I really haven't felt a need to have merch. I'm, I'm, That's some tea. Yeah, I, I'm at the point with my drag where I am really establishing who I am and people are finally recognizing me at least in my scene um, so I'm in that stage where I'm I, well, I was working consistently I was continuing to bring new stuff to the table and I was you know elevating myself to a point where people Particip- didn't know who I was yeah participating participating in competitions yeah. getting regular competitions but you know I yeah, was there. absolutely losing um <laughs> and being uncasted a few shows I like, actually have a lot of shows I was on cast for before quarantine hit yeah you know? and auditioning for shows mm-hmm. and like and that's actually one thing I know this isn't part of this episode but the one thing that I admire about Touche is that I always think it, like being a holiday is not about forcing your way into the table sometimes sometimes it's about auditioning I auditioned to be um, me and Touche both uh-huh. auditioned to be in the last laugh competition and uh-huh. we both made it um, we both auditioned for drama camp I made uh-huh. it Touche didn't but because somebody dropped out because she was a close second she got on cast there yeah. So we actually, for the one show we're actually doing, 
Um, actually, there's two because Touche is also on cast at New Girl, uh-huh. and um, that's coming back. Um, yep. So Drama Camp and New Girl are happening uh, Tuesday, July 21st at local rounds. Reach out to Atlas Marshall, uh, Party Monster XOXO on Instagram for purchasing details. Ten dollars each. I just like how this this marketing thing in here. <laughs> um, and, and uh, and so um, the thing about it is, I do believe, and for all of our new people out there, you're not. You're not too good to like where to you where you don't have to audition. I'm right. sorry. I know even when you first start and you think you might look like a hundred dollars and like you're just like yes, like give me that booking, like no, I'm it great. Looks like a hundred dollars. Yeah, it probably looks like a hundred dollars <laughs> because like drag is really expensive. Drag the way that me and Touche do it because we both have full time jobs. We both mm-hmm. have money to a degree like Uh we spend a lot of money into our drag we We commission a lot of things we can look like money but the fact is like what's going to get you the spots on cast is like the package you bring and the package does mean makeup hair costume and performance exactly yeah yeah like you know i can speak to where i think my strengths are people would draw from is i do camp but for me camp isn't just comedy or funny camp is taking anything to an absolute extreme so whether it's you know filth whether it's comedy whether it's sex whatever it is it's taking it to the extreme beyond what people would even expect and i think that's where my niche is and that's why i've had my successes um i don't know what what do you think your marketability is and what you really sell so it's funny i was thinking about that because i don't know anymore yeah so like the COVID break was great, mm-hmm. I think, for me and Touche to actually do some self-reflection. But right. what was happening is now I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, so one of my strengths are is that I feel like I, great, I give a great performance with what yeah. the tradition of drag actually is. Um, I'm super professional and um, I love show producing. That is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is show produce um, and doing all the bells and whistles that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, what I want to offer with that is like my strength is I feel is like going into something with a really well-crafted idea. And even if I don't necessarily present it to the stage, well, like the idea in my head was like fully realized. So that's just something like I've been thinking about too. Now to get a little bit more back on topic, um, what Touche said is what I want to leech off of here for all of you new people listening it's really important, especially when it comes to the merch conversation, if you don't know who you are in drag, one thing that tends to happen is your drag name might change. Yeah. Because you're like, like, um, one of my fa- one of my drag sisters, uh, Diana Fire, um, her original drag name was like Erica Baduna something. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. And she <laughs> never, she never performed Erica Badu. Uh-huh. So it's like, why would you choose that as a drag name? Uh-huh. So like, if Touche like, finds like steps away from her drag name but she has a merch that says you know touche douche or touche likes beef or whatever and then she's like comes like candy warhol or something like that later it's not bad yeah i know it's not bad you know i thought about a drag name of the day clydesdale just one word what do we think i hate that (laughs) it could be for a furry i don't know yeah no and i would say it on here about what i would change my drag name to so like People always think it's stupid to change your drag name when you have an established yeah. presence. Kinda. Like the Drag Race Girls. Especially yeah. the Drag Race Girls, you're stuck with that name yeah. for the rest of your goddamn life. But, There's um, only one I'm aware of that actually changed their name and is still moderately successful, but she never really toured. Uh, Sasha Bell has reverted back to her original drag name, which is Frisbee Jenkins. 
Oh, interesting. So that like there was that was their original name. Then they changed to Sasha Bell to go on Drag Race because they're part of the Bell Clan, which, from my understanding, the Midwest is literally an infestation. Um, <laughs> and then uh, she got off Drag Race, didn't really like, you know, do what she thought was going to happen. So she reevaluated where her roots are. She really took a step back, and now she's back in it as Frisbee Jenkins. And now she's stuck though with a verified Instagram account that says Sasha Bell and she has to do in the comments formally Sasha Bell now Frisbee Jenkins that's what we're talking about is don't be going like once you've established who you are you really have to stick with it and something really big has to happen if you're going to change you have to change drastically yeah like if I changed my name I don't think Drag Queen merch would like update my stuff like and then also all my merch has my name on it so like I would have to, like, lose out on everything that I've created, and I don't necessarily want to go through any of that. Right. Like, um, am I married to my drag right night, drag name right now? I am absolutely not married to it anymore. Uh-huh. But um, I also realize that branding is a thing. And so, I mean, it's... Because this conversation really isn't necessarily about marketing as much as it is your brand. Right. Yeah, and your that's the reality is drag is really 20% of the talent like you can be the most beat girl you can have the most sickening performances you know those creative ideas but the reality is that's only a small portion there's a whole other four fifths of what it means to be a drag queen and that mostly comprises of branding marketing networking and professionalism those are really the other major things that people don't think about but if you don't have those four aspects as your foundation it doesn't matter how good performer you are you're not going to go anywhere yeah, agreed. Because one of the other things that happens too is that your brand uh, shapes the kind of performances that you right. do as well. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about social media. Social media is super important for all of you drag entertainers out there who don't want to, who think that you don't need social media. You really or do. You really you do, guys. You really have to have it. Because pretty much 80 to 90% of show producers do their show producing through an Instagram chat or yeah. through a Facebook chat. Yeah. Um, that's just where the chats happen. I'm sorry to say, folks. Like, yeah. Because it's easy to get connected with people to send a message. Because, like, think about it. Like, oh, I, like it, even when show producers ask if you want to be in a show, it's usually on Facebook. I've yeah. never seen show producers ask who wants to be in a show on Instagram yeah. as much. That's... Um, I've only had it happen to me during Corona, and that was people who asked me to do some digital shows, like, out of the East Coast and stuff. That was about it. Yeah, and I've been asked, I've been asked on Instagram, but I never see, because you have to think about it, like, how am I supposed to see a post on Instagram that's an open call? Like, hey, I'm looking for entertainers. Like, I'm not going to see that post. That's That's how the platform's made. And, like, that's what a lot of people use Facebook for, and that's kind of a little bit we're going to delve into, is, like, what, how to use Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave the Facebook talk to Coco because they're A, a producer, and also B, I'm taking a break from Facebook because bitches be toxic. Um, so Yeah, Touche went through the ringer recently. What can I say? I stand up for what's right, and people hate that. Oh, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's so sad. And I do want to actually touch on a subject, too, that um, probably seems like it might be inappropriate for the podcast. But, like, the fact of the matter is, like, there has been some stuff that has happened on Facebook recently with my drag family specifically yeah. that um, has been really eye-opening. And is what's really interesting is the dichotomy between support for negative things that happen to members of my drag family to support um, to the people who do negative things to them. Yeah. That has been really eye-opening. It's like, I... So I do think that there's a difference between... And I know this is a little off topic, but... I think it's still on topic for branding, though, because it's how you're perceived. You know, yeah. this could affect everything. It does work. Yeah. So um, I was going to post online that you can, you know, 
critique RuPaul for, you know, not being inclusive, but still like Drag Race. You right. can uh, still love your childhood with Harry Potter books and still critique J.K. Rowling on being more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Like, you can still love the movie Space Jam for when you were a kid, but be really disappointed about RuPaul, uh, uh, R. Kelly. You mm-hmm. can love the Cosby show for all the good memories it gave you, but, like, obviously be really disappointed in the person who produced the show. Yeah. Like, we... It's not an all or nothing, folks. Mm-hmm. Like, certain people, like, when it comes to Jeffree Star, like, that is Jeffree Star's makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's a lot of people who work for Jeffree Star and, like, all that other stuff. And, like, him getting fired or canceled or whatever, like, that hurts those jobs and that brand. But at the same time, that's his name on that makeup. Yeah. Like, and it would be one thing, too, if, like, if the Cosby show was still on. Mm-hmm. Like, because then I would hope that it probably would be canceled at this point because obviously a person in power well it's like what happened with roxanne you know i think it's a perfect example you mean roseanne roseanne sorry i'm really naive and kind of (laughs) dumb but you know what it's my brand yeah, well, and Roseanne was still on when she got canceled, Roseanne. so they kicked her off the show. Who and the fuck then, is Roxanne? Yes, yeah, seriously, who the fuck is Roxanne? <laughs> and so, like, my thing is, there are certain things to where you can separate, um, but support is different. And actually, that the Roseanne thing is a great example. Mm-hmm. Space Jam obviously exists. Like, right. the Cosby show is off the air. Yeah. The Harry Potter books have been written. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we have entertainers in our community who are being super negative um or yeah. done horrible things and we still support them or boost them up mm-hmm. um it's really kind of gross it it is yeah. to a degree and i know that there was a little bit of a sideline but touche's right it, it's about your brand mm-hmm. and the supporters people who have support of those people it's really eye-opening yeah and it's kind of something where i'm and i think this is me going to be on a personal note here with regards to branding i'm at an intersection where i can either lean into a couple different things which have a very treacherous road that can be navigated but if i go down these roads i could really build a reputation for myself that could affect me in the long run whether it's a week from now or years from now um so i'm at a personal juncture myself because of where i am with my drag and what i've been doing because my thing is I've been speaking out against things and, you know, sometimes it shouldn't be spoken out of or it's not my place, but I am trying to see positive change and try to push that change and people are having a problem with that. That's mm-hmm. where I'm having a lot of backlash myself. Um, so really, you have, and that comes to branding, like, do I want to be a queen that works with everybody no matter what their history or what they have done? Because some people do some really shitty stuff, especially in drag. Well, and actually, because by the time this episode comes out, actually... So Touche is debating whether or not she should run for a pageant. Uh-huh. And what's really interesting about that is, um, and we're not necessarily going to talk about the whole pageantry right. stuff. That's not what this episode's about. That was with Valerie. Um, yeah, that was with Valerie. <laughs> we talk but, about Valerie a lot on here. We do talk about Valerie a lot. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's true, like, so you, all of you have heard the concept of pageant queens, uh-huh. I'm assuming at this point. And so if Touche runs for this, it doesn't mean she's a pageant queen because uh-huh. it's not at that level right but um that is something i've thought about too like i've considered well because you have yeah. to also remember too like um it's really good to get because touche has been doing competitions uh-huh. pageants are essentially a competition yeah. but they're a lot easier because it's like you know your categories uh-huh. uh you show up you present your package uh-huh. um and then they say yeah you're great or they say meh right <laughs> I mean, like, yeah that, that's the that's the reality especially with judge situation um you know, it's who are you and what can mm-hmm. you do to push the pageant that you're mm-hmm. running for? Like if it's a charity pageant, what are you doing to 
promote charitable causes, if it's um, like a reputation pageant or something that really pushes a brand, mm -hmm. what are you doing to elevate that brand? Like, I think Continental is a big one that can speak to that. Yeah. Because they continue mm -hmm. to try and, you know, have girls win that are continuing to elevate the artistry of, you know, female illusionists, I believe is what they specifically work in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what they do and then there's a lot of them you know each pageant and whoever owns the pageant has a specific way they're selling it so they're going to necessarily crown somebody who is completely alternate to their brand or who doesn't go with what they're trying to sell yeah oh that's a good point it's mm -hmm. a really good point and so with the branding conversation uh pageants and competitions come into play because mm -hmm. if you get labeled as a pageant queen you might not get booked in like the spooky show for halloween correct or like our friend sue who mm -hmm. changed her name to sue currently um, as of when this episode released, I'm pretty sure there'll still be Sue. Um, yeah. Former drag name being Suicidal, uh -huh. um, is an amazing horror entertainer. Yeah. And, like, gets booked, for, like, is booked crazy for Halloween. Oh, yeah, in October, she's working more more gigs than there are days in the month. 100%, actually, yeah. yeah she's, like, working 30-plus gigs in the month. And <laughs> then me and Touche, and then my other drag daughter, if you haven't figured out, is Brittany on... Um, she's she's <laughs> love her. She's really talented, but she's like a punk rocker. She's great. So with Touche and I, we do camp, but we also do theatrical numbers. Uh -huh. um, we're the most like in the same. We're kind of in the same lanes with each other a little bit with that. Um, you know, we do high glam. Um, oh. We love big hair, like all this stuff. Like, her. Um, and we we're concept queens. Like yeah. we know what we're putting together a look for something specifically, and. Um, and what that means for us is that we get to perform more often. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's what it means. I'm, I'm sorry to say, it's not actually a negative critique about Brit in any capacity, yeah. because she is in a niche market a little bit. Yeah. But the fact is, like me and Touche, like, we can be at some of the shows that used to exist. I'll just say some of their names. Like, we could perform at, like, Stupid Bitch or whatever uh -huh. like that. We could perform at That Bitch, and uh -huh. we can perform in a Katya show uh -huh. or... Uh, pre-pump or Darcells, like because yeah. we just constantly can provide this yeah. like new take or we if somebody yeah. gives us a theme we can go into it yeah because we have established who we are and what we're selling and once you've established who you are you can then insert yourself into just about anything yeah and that that's a big thing that I think a lot of people can see on a wide scale with Drag Race because Drag Race you see the contestants who succeed are the ones who know who they are and they can put themselves into any of the challenges any of the contents on the mm -hmm. runway those are the ones who do well it's not the ones who are floundering like I don't know who I am those ones don't win those ones don't those go ones very don't far don't ever win the ones who are so confident like right. Sharon Needles was a spooky queen and yeah. won Drag Race correct like uh, Jinx Monsoon was a crazy queen and won Drag Race uh -huh. Bog was a comedy queen and won Drag Race Violet was fashion Bianca was she just was a, comedy kind yeah. of clown Right, but every single one of these winners knew exactly who they were going into this. And sure, maybe they had some stumbles for editing even, to make more dramatic. Even Evie. Even yeah. was weird from the second she stepped in to the second she won. I, like Evie is literally the epitome of Cartoon Network in the 1990s and early 2000s. That's, that's who so she funny. is. That's who she is. She's like this weird, like, animated doll. <laughs> yeah. So. But actually, as a point to that, uh -huh. like, when people do step out of their comfort zones, because we don't get to experience this because we do it often to where we have to uh -huh. step out of our comfort zones. Yeah. I am invited my drag daughter Brittany on to participate in Starlets and Harlots, which was our Broadway themed show. And, and her her um, performance was like the best that I've kind of almost ever seen there. It was so good. Yes. She worked so hard to like do, I think she did a, 
a number from Chicago. Yeah. And it was so good. She was really great. I loved everything she did. It was so amazing. I feel like you and her need a sibling rivalry show. I just think <laughs> we should probably have Britt on here at one point well, or another. maybe we could have her on which next is, week, which is funny because I actually think she's, I think she's actually downstairs right now. I think she's downstairs right, right which now, is, yeah. Which is funny, but um, because we're almost at our time, so uh-huh. maybe we should have her on for next yeah. week. Well, because we next week our topic is drag family, do you need one, which is a really fun one because I question everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> You are not getting rid of that last name if it kills you. Because I've, as I said, house hoppers, gross. House yeah, hoppers house are hoppers are disgusting, especially when they do it for terrible people. Yeah, seriously. You know who you are. Anyway. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but um, that brings us somewhat to the end of our episode. But I did want to leave us off on a really positive note about marketing. Remember, just un- take the time to figure out who you are before you do certain marketing or branding. Like if you create the Facebook page, the Instagram and all this stuff with a certain drag name and a persona, like I'm going to, let's just use spooky. Cause it's easy. I'm the spooky queen. I have my spooky Facebook. I only post like, you know, Tim Burton memes and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then like five seconds later, you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like that doesn't really fit. So like really just take a step back. Um, so, um, our call out for today or our shout out, sorry, me and Tushay have been doing too many call outs. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a problem. That's why I'm on Facebook break. Um, <laughs> um, we're, we're shouting on a queen who actually really like knew their brand from the moment they started and they really cemented themselves. We're calling out, um, Miss Northwest Fierce 2020, Leilani, Mika, Wolfgram, Volt. Yes, and I think they started off with their drag name being Rocky uh, with an I. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, ab- they're absolutely fantastic. They've mm-hmm. held their ground real hard. They won a pageant, which is fantastic. And, yeah. Um, they're actually a really nice person that I miss quite dearly. They, they're very sweet and they're kind, and I really adore them and what they offer mm-hmm. um, as an entertainer. And they yeah. did. They won a pageant with like their, a lot of help, of their, course. Their but... first night out, that was their, I think the first night really in drag was this pageant, and they won. The second. And, second night sorry my bad but either way it was like really early on and it was really impressive to see someone really come together and pull that off at such an early stage so if you want to follow them their instagram is samoan underscore goddess underscore leilani that is l-e-i-l-a-n-i check them out yeah and also if anybody has any leads on some venues i am me and the holiday family me brit and touche want to create a venue here anymore okay I swear to God, if you lose that last name, if, if anybody, is this a dream? Is it a fantasy? <laughs> if any of you want to have a lead on a venue to where we could host our holiday show, um, uh, a monthly gig, uh, please let us know. Yeah, it's gonna be a Madonna impersonation show. Holiday, every number, <laughs> <laughs> every number, just whoever does it best. Honey. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks, everybody. Follow us on Facebook. Oh, well, not me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of Cooking Up a Queen. If you would like to be featured or place an ad, please email coco at thecdsdrag.com. Cooking Up a Queen is brought to you by the CD Studio. All topics discussed are opinions of the hosts and are not by any means reflected by the CD Studio or its affiliates. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Cooking Up a Queen is owned exclusively by the CD Studios. This podcast is executive produced by John Williams and Alistair Eliano. Original cover art and soundtrack provided by Alistair Eliano. Dubbed and mixed by John Williams.